Welcome to the Amherst Wesleyan Church Sermon Podcast. Um, today we are in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. So, uh, so far this month, uh, Brad talked about 1 Thessalonians chapters 1 and 2. Then last week we tackled chapter 3. And this week we're on to chapter 4. So, 1 Thessalonians is a very short book. Uh, in the New Testament, um, uh, you can find it easily. You can either Google it or you can open up the Bible app or you flip to the table of contents in your Bible and find it. Uh, it's near the end of the New Testament and it's very short. Uh, it's only like three or four pages and so um, it, it is best to look it up or use the table of contents to get to there because um, otherwise it's like opening one of these. It'll take you forever to find it. Um, so we're going to deal with chapter 4 today, and uh, we'll probably end up reading the whole chapter uh, a little bit later on. Um, one of the things I think we need to understand before we get into the, the reading of the Word is that uh, I don't know about all of you, uh, but I have done a significant amount of renovations to my house in the past six years. Um, and, I mean, it wasn't a, it, there, there wasn't a whole lot of structural thing. There was that one time that I decided to put a steel beam in the basement. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. There were lots of fun experiences with that. There was the time that I had somebody there helping me remove the old beam, and then it almost killed me. And then lifting the, lifting the beam, it was, it was lots of fun. But it, that, my point is that... In doing all those renovations, I would get so far on the project and get it to this point where me, as an amateur, as a layman, as a somebody that's not great at carpentry, would get it to this point where I would look at it and go, I guess that's got to be good enough, and leave it. And I don't know about you, but... During renovations, there, are, there have been a lot of times, almost every time doing a project, I get it to a certain point, and I've just got to look at it and go, well, that's good enough. And I've got to back away from it and just leave it. And really, I think it probably is good enough. If I look at it too close, I can see the imperfections. If I look at it real carefully, I can, I can see the issues with it. And when Kyle comes over to visit, he can pick it out and point out everything that I didn't even notice was wrong with it. Um, but most everybody else doesn't care. The house functions. It's able to clean. It's not going to lead to more problems down the road. It's, it's good. It's okay. It, won't cause me to not be able to sell my house when I, hopefully, when I go to sell it, whenever that is, it's probably, realistically, good enough. But it's not incredible. My house and the renovations I've done to my house are good enough, but they're not incredible. That phrase, good enough, that's good enough. It's a nice, warm, 
comforting phrase that says you don't need to push any harder, you don't need to work anymore, you can leave it as is and be fine with it. And you really can be fine with it. But the people that do incredible things don't look at it and say, well, that's good enough. They say, that's not good enough yet. That's not good enough yet. It's the people that look at it and say, I'm not going to settle for good enough that end up being these people that can run faster than anybody else in the world, that can swim farther than anybody else in the world, that can make that perfectly flaky golden crust of a perfectly baked apple pie like nobody else in the world. They can make that cheesecake that's, that's super smooth and apparently it's not supposed to have cracks in the top and it just melts in your mouth. It's the people that look at their cheesecake baking ability and say that's not good enough yet and push themselves that causes them to have incredible cheesecake. Can I get an amen on that? Come on. Come on. Amen. Right. Thank you. I can't be the only person here that appreciates an incredible cheesecake. Right? Right. It's the people that look at something and say, that's not good enough yet. That really pushes them to take it from something that is good. And it is good. If your cheesecake's got a crack in it or your crust is a little too dry or whatever, does it really make that big of a difference? No. But working harder and harder, doing more and more, can lead it to take it from good enough to be something incredible. And sometimes we have we bring this phrase into not just like our home renovations or our baking or our athletics. We bring it into all sorts of different aspects of our lives. We can look at how we live our lives, and whether you're a Christian or not, you can look at your life and say, you know what, I'm doing better than so-and-so, I'm not in prison, I haven't done this big scandal, I haven't broken any ethics, I've, I've, for the most part, I'm doing pretty well, I, I'm not going to jail, I'm not scared to be stopped by the cops because of what they're going to find on me, they're, I'm not real worried about that, I've looked at my neighbor, I've seen what they've done, and I'm not doing that stuff, and you look at yourself and you say, you know what, I'm doing good enough, I'm doing good enough, my family knows that I love them, I'm doing good enough. We bring it into our family dynamics. And we say, you know what, I'm providing for my family. I don't have to steal to provide for them. They've got food. They know that I love them. I set aside time for them. Everyone seems to be happy. That's, that's good enough. That's good enough. We go to work or school. And we... Do what is asked of us and do what's required. They say, go work on this project and we work on that project. And we go to this, this class and we sit there and we pay attention and we get what we can out of it. Or we, we, we deal with our employees and we pay them what, what we can pay them and we provide for them as best we can. And that's, that's good enough. And is it good? Yes. Is it probably enough? Yeah. You can, you can continue doing those things and for the most part, you're going to be okay. 
for the most part. You're going to be okay. But is it going to be incredible? Are you going to miss out on something because you settled for good enough? Are you going to miss out on what God has for you or what God wants to do in and through you because you settled for good enough? Well, let's turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And let's see what Paul says to the Thessalonian people. In verse 1, he says, As for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God. The question that we often ask, how do I please God? Well, he said, I already told you how to please God. I instructed you in in how to live in order to please God. As in fact, you are living. Hey, hey! Paul says, I told you what to do to please God, and you guys are doing it. Check. You guys are good enough. And then he goes on and says, Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. Wait, 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 wait. I thought he just said we were good enough. I thought he said, I told you what to do and you guys are doing it. Great. So what's the problem? I ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. See, I think I think Paul is getting at, he's saying to the Thessalonians, he's saying, don't settle. Don't settle for good enough. Keep growing, stretch to be more and more like Jesus. This is the point, this is what we're after. We're not after being good enough. The question isn't being good enough. It was never a question about being good enough. Your salvation is not based on you being good enough. Jesus did not come to save you because you were good enough. He came because you were a mess. You didn't renovate your house because it was good enough. You renovated your house because it was a mess. It wasn't what you wanted it to be. Jesus didn't come because you were good enough. Jesus doesn't love you because you're good enough. That was never a factor. We have the gospel because you are absolutely not good enough. And so this is not a question of whether or not you deserve God's love or if God loves you or how you can earn God's love because you can't. And you don't need to. This is a now that you're on this journey and you're following Jesus. Paul is saying, you're doing well. You've got this. But there's more. You can be good enough or you can have an incredible life. And you can see incredible things. And he's saying, don't settle for good enough. Keep growing. Stretch to be more and more like Jesus. And he goes on, and he, this is chapter 4. He goes on and he explains more of it, and he gives more detail. 
He says, for you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, you should be made holy, that you should become like Jesus. That's basically what sanctified means, is to be made holier, and to be made holy means to be like Jesus. That you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust, like the pagans who do not know God. And that in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or a sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins, as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy, Christ-like life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you His Holy Spirit. Now about your love for one another... We do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other, and in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. Again, God, Paul is saying, you got it, you're doing well. We've taught you, you've paid attention, you're doing it. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more. Do not settle for good enough. Keep growing, stretch to be more and more like Jesus. We urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more and to make it your ambition, your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands just as we told you so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind with, who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and he rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's will, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Paul's laying it there. He's saying, as it pertains to purity and impurity, love and lust, how you treat one another, how you treat those who are above you, those who are below you, how you encourage one another with the truth of the gospel. How we go about winning the respect of those outside. He says, you guys are doing a great job. We've taught you lots and you paid attention. You've got it. You're doing good enough. If you stay as is, you'll probably be okay. 
but you're going to miss you're going to miss the incredible things that God has for you and the incredible things that God can do through you in this world don't settle for good enough keep growing stretch to be more and more like Jesus You may be here and you may not be a follower of Jesus. And you've looked at your life and said, you know what, morally, ethically, I'm doing better than everybody else. And God is calling you today and saying, you know what, that's not good enough. That's not good enough yet. You can't do this on your own. You need to start following me. And it's only by my power that you can really have that incredible, true, full, real life. And you've got to take that step to start following. You may be here and you've been a Christian for years. And you've done all the studies. You've read the Bible front to back. And you've gone through all the extra studies. And you know the ins and outs. And you've started learning Greek and Hebrew. And you've got it all figured out. And God is putting that little nudge in and saying, you know what? I want you to give more. You've got all the head knowledge. But I need you to start sacrificing more. You're too comfortable. And I've got work for you to do. He may be saying to you, you know what, you're, you're serving in this spot. And that's good. You're making a difference, but I want you to serve more. You've heard about the needs and you've heard about the things that are going on and you've felt that nudge and you've got to take that step of obedience. You may look at your family and God may be saying, you know what, you're doing well with your family. But you've got to set aside more time for them. You've got to make sure that your spouse and your kids really understand how important they are and how important they are to God. And you've got to work on being a leader in your family and leading them closer to Christ. Or you've got to start cutting out certain things that are getting in the way or creating barriers or, or keeping you from being able to communicate well with your family. You might have to start looking at how you do your job and whether you're the boss or the employee and you've got to say, how can I live my life in such a way that wins the respect of the outsiders so that when they look at me, they see Jesus and they are drawn to Him? How can I go that extra mile? How can I show them just how, how good Christ is in me? By going the extra mile or, or being that extra honest or, or taking the weight or giving more than what is even deserved. Whatever it is. I believe that God is saying to us, just like Paul said to the Thessalonians, and He's saying to us today in, the, in His Word, don't settle for good enough. Keep growing. Stretch to be more and more like Jesus. And now, 
I am not saying that all of you that are overworked and burdened, I'm not saying you guys have to do more until you are exhausted and dead. No. No. So much of that, so much of that exhaustion comes from investing in the wrong things from trying to do it on our own instead of relying more and more on Jesus. This isn't about trying to be better and try to be greater and try to be more influential on your own through your own efforts. This is, you need to understand that we need to take a step back and we need to focus more and more on Jesus, become more and more like Him and take on His practices, which include the practice of rest, and the practice of focusing on God and spending time alone with God and making sure the priorities are the right priorities. Because when you do that, that doesn't leave you empty and exhausted. That leaves you filled. And so I'm not saying you've got to work harder to be more like Jesus. What I'm saying is we need to continue growing and stretching to be more like Jesus. This isn't about doing more. This is about doing the right stuff more and more. Thanks for listening and being part of our church and joining us in this journey to become down-to-earth people following Jesus in down-to-earth ways. Mm-hmm.